Have you ever been asked to do something that made you feel uncomfortable? What is that feeling telling you? And how can you take it into account? Have you ever been told about setting boundaries? But then what are healthy boundaries? Why should we set them? How do we enforce them? And how do we honor and respect other people's boundaries? How can our ability to set boundaries be affected by trauma, especially of sexual nature? And how much can having unresolved trauma shape our boundaries with others? Join me after the intro for a conversation with a very special friend with whom we will answer this and many more questions. Stay tuned. Do you feel stuck in your life? Do you feel unhappy but not completely sure what that is? Do you hold a grudge towards someone for something they did which affects you and the way you live your life? Have you ever told someone, I forgive you, but in reality you were not completely over what happened? Why is it so difficult to truly forgive? How do we forgive? And can anything and anyone be forgiven? Hi, my name is Rosanna D, and I'm the host of the Forgiven Tribe Show. This is a safe and not judgmental place for sharing opinions and challenging experiences where the practice of forgiveness helped individuals to get unstuck and create a much more fulfilling life than they had before. Join me in this exciting journey to unveil how you too can have the life you deserve. Simply click the subscribe button below to receive notification about future episodes. Welcome to the Forgiven Trade Show. Boundaries set intangible and tangible limits to life. They define behaviors that are appropriate in our relationships and keep both parties safe. Situation in which I'm okay and you are okay and distinguish them from those behaviors that are not safe for either party. Setting boundaries, healthy boundaries in particular, is crucial for self-care and positive relationships. They are simply essential and yet so difficult sometimes to establish. Traumatic experiences, especially of sexual nature, often make the situation worse. Not only dealing with trauma affects our ability to set boundaries, but often also the ability to recognize we need to set boundaries, which could expose us, unfortunately, to additional traumatic experiences in the future and perpetuate the cycle of abuse. So today we want to talk about healthy boundaries, the price we pay when we are not able to raise them, how we can learn to set them, and their connection with sexual trauma. And we dive into this topic with today's guest, Tay Youngblood. Tay is a trauma release guide, practical Reiki master, author, speaker, podcaster, and blogger. For the last six years, she has dedicated her time and energy to helping those who have experienced sexual trauma to reconnect and love themselves more. At the end of 2018, she started a chakra alignment program that allowed her to not only shed light on what she needed in her life, but also help her to heal from her past trauma. In 2021, she became a practical Reiki master to understand energetic healing and how to release the energy that we hold onto so tightly. 
Hi, Te. Welcome to the Forgive and Tie Show. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Awesome. No, thank you so much. The introduction was beautiful. I loved it. I was listening to it and I was like, yes, yes, that's great. So thank this you so much for having me here. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I'm really excited uh, by this topic. I never really quite appreciated the importance of boundaries until I burned out and I recognized that I didn't have any. Nobody mm -hmm. told me about boundaries. I didn't see the point of them. I didn't understand what could make in my life. So mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm now a complete convert into what boundaries, uh, how important boundaries are in, in our they life. Are. So I'm uh, advocating boundaries uh, uh, all, all the time and whenever I can. But before we dive into this uh, fascinating topic, I would like to start with you for a moment. I just mentioned something about you and your bio, but I would like to know how you start your journey and in particular, how you became a, a trauma release guide. Of course, of course. Um, well, I guess we should, we could start back at the beginning and really it was um, when I was between the ages of five and seven, um, I experienced childhood sexual abuse. Um, and it was a very, like, it was a hard time for me because I felt like I couldn't tell anyone. I was uh, threatened into not telling anyone. Um, so that's one of the reasons why it lasted for so long. Um, and I'm not entirely sure what made me do this, but one day I, I wrote it down in my journal and one day I decided to share it with my sister who's under me. I have three younger sisters. The one right under me, I decided to share that information with her. And she went and told my mom, which, snowballed into, you know, asking me questions, what exactly happened? When did this happen? You know, how long it's been going on, all of these things. And unlike most people, my mom actually believed me. Uh, but then you find out that there is other history there. And the more that I've gone throughout my life, I found out that there's more history there within my, you know, uh, generational timeline of this happening to others. Um, so as I got older, one of the things that we did, of course, you know, they started a whole process. My mom took me to the police. We, I went to counseling, things like that. But at the tender age of eight, I mean, they weren't really talking about what happened to me. Like they knew what happened, but we weren't talking about that specific situation. There was no, um, guide to how to work with this type of trauma with children. Um, so basically, we just talked about everything else that was going on in an eight-year-old's life, right? Um, and I think it wasn't until I was in middle school when I realized that I wasn't actually over it, like actually not talking about what happened to me uh, caused me to have an anxiety attack and panic attack in a room full of classmates who were boys and a male teacher. And the door was closed and I lost all sensibilities <laughs> and I just completely went off. And it was because of my experience. Um, and at that time, I, I realized like, oh, something something is definitely wrong here. But I didn't think, oh, let me go ahead and get into, you know, trauma release or, you know, psychology or anything like that. I really didn't think about that. I was just kind of like, all right, well, we'll figure this out. Right. Um, then I got to college and decided that 
uh, I was going to be an OBGYN because I had this magical thought of like delivering babies. I thought that was going to be so cool. Um, and then I took biochem and I was like, we're not doing any of that <laughs> um, because it was it was it was hard. I wasn't prepared. Um, and I can honestly say that now being out of college for almost uh, 20, almost 15 years at this point um, that I wasn't prepared. I wasn't ready. Um, but then I went to a psychology course and it was a general psychology course and I fell in love with the mind. And I was just like, this is actually pretty great. Um, and from there came my like want and desire to work with trauma, but I wasn't entirely sure how that was going to happen. So of course I graduated with a bachelor's in psych and I had no idea what I was gonna do with that. Um, so I just started working. Uh, but over the years, constantly, it was always go back to school, uh, get a degree, get a psych degree, you know, do these things. And then I fell into the world of coaching. And one of the things that I, what I can appreciate is that I did have this background in psychology um, that I could pull from, but also um, that there were people out there who were just like me looking for somebody who had experienced what they had experienced and wanted to hear about how they overcame the hardships and the pain that that past had brought them. And I was like, I could totally be this person. Yes, let's do it. Um, so I started my company in 2016 and I was like, all right, I have no idea what I'm going to do with this, but let's go ahead and get started. And it wasn't until the end of 2018 that I realized that there was still a lot of work to be done for myself. Um, I was in a marriage that was falling apart. I had no idea how it was falling apart. I wanted to fix it. Um, and instead of fixing my marriage, I found out that the thing that needed to be fixed was me. I still had pieces of myself from the past that still needed to be healed. And so I started my chakra alignment journey, which is what you talked about in uh, my bio. And after that, that started to snowball into the different ways that I could actually help people focus on their healing and what that actually looks like. So I went the energetic healer uh, spiritual route because for me, it opened up my eyes to the possibilities of what that can look like. And I understand that it's not for everybody. Everybody's probably going to listen to this and say, that sounds very woo-woo. Um, however, the one thing that I will tell you and something that I've learned over the course of doing my spiritual healing, my physical healing, and even emotional and mental healing is that your body knows what it needs and how to get there. You just have to listen to it. And it took me many years to be able to listen to it. And that is one of the ways that boundaries comes into play, where you really have to understand who you are to your core to be able to set those boundaries and be able to maintain those boundaries and enforce those boundaries with the people that you love. Um, so I decided, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And I lovingly named myself a trauma release guide because I don't technically release the energy or the trauma for you. Uh, what we do is we really are releasing that energy from the body so that it's no longer stuck there so that we can continue to move forward on the path and the healing that we really want. I totally love what you had just said. Uh, I'm sorry that it had to start with uh, such a terrible mm -hmm. experience. Um, I 
very much empathize with, with that because I had a similar experience myself. It happened when I was slightly older than you. It started when I was mm -hmm. But I, I can recognize the, the secrecy. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell anybody, keep it for yourself. And obviously, as a child, this is what you do. Mm -hmm. So, boundaries starts very much, or, or I should say, we learn about them very early on in, in life. So, how do we shape them? So, one of the, over the course of like the many years that I've been doing this, uh, one of the things that I also struggled with, like you stated before, was setting boundaries. Did I have them? Loosely. <laughs> I loosely had boundaries because I kind of knew what I didn't want and what I wanted in my life to an extent. And one of the ways that I found that makes it easier to set your boundaries and really truly adhere to them is to understand your core values and your core beliefs, the things that you literally move through with in life, um, your unbridled beliefs that no one can change your mind on. You can have a healthy talk about them. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're like, I'm really steadfast in this belief. Um, having that allows you to create and set boundaries that you can actually maintain and adhere to. That's obviously very important. I'm thinking, however, about children, for example, because mm -hmm. uh, we as adults you know, give the example to them and sometimes mm -hmm. they look at us and if we don't have boundaries and we are not able to respect their boundaries, they mm -hmm. obviously learn about that. And uh, there is something that happened probably in the last couple of weeks. Um, I was at, in Italy at home with my family and I was with my niece. She, is, she just turned eight. My mother came with her, one of her copybooks and this baby is uh, such a good student. She's very tiny, <laughs> she's all scientific um, subjects. And she said, oh, look how tidy, how, how tidy and nice uh, her homework are. And my niece said, I don't want to show her now. Mm. And my mother insisted. I said, oh, but you are so good. And I had to step in there and say, she mm -hmm. said, no. She said, no, she's not comfortable with showing that. So I had to tell her, look, I know that you are a very good student and I would mm -hmm. love to see your copybook, but I understand that you are not ready right now. So I'm okay with that. Whenever you are ready, I'm ready. And I will mm -hmm. love you. But for now, no means no. And it was important. And I realized that my mother didn't get it. For my mother, mm -hmm. it was, uh, she's such a good student. What right. is the problem? I, I felt that if I had pleased my mother, then my mm -hmm. niece would have learned that A, her boundaries are not important, and B, mm -hmm. her value depends on how good a student she is. Wow. So I, I think that sometimes as adults, we don't pay enough attention to boundaries and we are not able to teach not just for ourselves, but also to give the example to, to the children. So absolutely, how can we teach our, our children? Because someone has to stop that generational transmission of bad boundaries or not knowing mm -hmm. boundaries. So how can we, we do that with, with the children in our lives? 
I really, I really resonate with what you said because I personally have nine nieces and nephews. My sisters have all the kids <laughs> and I love them all so dearly. And my, one of my experiences with like a boundary that one of my siblings actually had is my youngest sister, she doesn't really like physical contact unless it's with her like significant other or her children. But when it comes down to everybody else, she like really is just like, I don't want to hug you. I am okay with not hugging you. I um, mean, she's always been like this. I think probably since she was a teenager. And when it comes to their kids now, it's very interesting how they let them know what is okay and what's not okay. I think one of the first things that we should definitely do is make sure that our children understand that it is okay if you don't feel comfortable just let us know that i think that a lot of times um people push that aside because it is family or because it's a close friend or something like that but we have to understand that there's a reason why that child feels uncomfortable doing something and i think by acknowledging that especially in the way that you did um is letting them know that it is okay to tell someone no because I think for a long time, and one thing that is uh, perpetuated in this culture is that rejection is like the worst thing on this planet. When in reality, a lot of people are rejecting because one, they aren't comfortable. And two, it doesn't align with the goals that they currently have in their life. And I think with your niece explaining that to your mom, like she is not comfortable with showing you this. It has nothing to do with the fact that she's not a good student or she doesn't think this way about herself. It has to do with the fact that she doesn't feel comfortable showing you her work at this moment. Just like with my sister, she, for years, she was like, everybody gets one hug a year, choose wisely. <laughs> and it was, it's one of those things where it's just like, okay, you just learn to get with it. Um, but I think a lot of times with people who have been um, subjected to like boundaries and feel that it's a rejection, I think what they don't realize is that by honoring somebody else's boundary, especially a child's boundary, it helps them to grow up and understand exactly what they want and what they need from the people around them and also from the world around them. Because let's just be honest, the people in your household can completely understand your boundaries and respect your boundaries. But what do you do when somebody outside of that does the, like, does, doesn't do that? What, what does that look like? Um, and I think a lot of times that's why we have to have these talks with them and let them know, like, if you do not feel comfortable, you can say no. Well, what does uncomfortable look like? Well, you know, talk about feeling words. Do you get a, like a pit or a flutter in your stomach when this happens? Does it feel more like excitement? Because they can like, do you feel really, really happy or do you feel really, really scared? Um, I think by explaining it to them this way, they can kind of differentiate in their minds when something happens, um, what that feels like to them. I mean, you think about, um, I was watching a TikTok one day and it was a, a boundary song and it really was very interesting to me um, how kids can understand what is going on with their own bodies so well that this song truly resonates with their feelings and the emotions that they have when something happens. So just like if somebody, you know, a family member comes in too quick for a hug or if they 
just go, oh, you can just give me a hug and a kiss. And that child has this excited reaction, then they know that, yes, this is comfortable. Yes, I can do that. But if they kind of recoil or have like kind of a pit and kind of feel afraid, then they know like, this is not comfortable. This, this does not feel good. And then they can say, no, thank you. And I think that being able to tell people that and tell children that, um, I think that that should be, I feel like that should be a normal practice. Like, why are we not doing this with everyone, <laughs> you know? Um, but I'm sure in the same way that the kids are growing up now learning about boundaries, we did not. Um, that wasn't something that was told to us. It was, well, that's just your uncle or that's just your grandfather or, you know, that's just your aunt. You know, it it really was downplayed a little bit, like well, more like a lot of it. It was downplayed. Um, but I think now helping children understand what these feelings in their body actually means um, and how they can react to it and how they're able to react to it. I think that's very important when it comes to helping them learn to set their boundaries. Yeah, this is uh, such an important point. I, I remember when I was a child, I had all these uh, aunts and uncles coming uh, at home to visit. And they were always there. They wanted to argue. And there were situations where I didn't feel comfortable, especially as I, I was growing up. But there was such a, an habit in doing that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have the energy or the understanding that for me, it wasn't a good thing that I had mm -hmm. to say, look, enough, <laughs> say, say there, I, right. I, uh, nice to see you again, <laughs> but <laughs> don't come any closer, you know, mm -hmm. so uh, you're right. I mean, uh, we need to teach those boundaries, but at the same time, we didn't, we weren't told about them. Mm -hmm. So. Coming back to us and adults, how do we recognize that we are in the situation where we are not able to have healthy boundaries with others? Can we still check ourselves like children? Because as an adult, perhaps we have all to be very composed and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. put our act together and we cannot really express ourselves <laughs> and <laughs> as we would like to. So. Mm -hmm. What do we really check and what sort of signs we should really pay attention to? Well, one of the things that I've realized is that when it comes to, I'll, I'll speak on sexual trauma specifically because that's what I have um, reference for. And I'm pretty sure that in some places of people's lives, like even without that piece, they can understand um, that as well. So when it comes to checking yourself, one of the things that we forget and one of the things that we realize later is that as a sexual trauma survivor, sometimes if we haven't gone through the healing process and things like that, um, we don't recognize the senses in our body. Sometimes they're flip-flopped. So something that feels comfortable might actually not be comfortable and vice versa. So one of the things that we have to check is just to make sure that we are, um, that our body is stable. Um, one of the things that I did to help me get more in tune with my body is start uh, pole fitness classes or doing yoga. Um, it was a way for me to move my body and get connected with the different pieces of myself. I remember talking with someone who said I didn't even know where my foot was. Like I knew I could see my foot and where it was. 
but in connection to the rest of my body, I didn't know where my foot was. And I completely understood that because as I started to do yoga and I started to do pole fitness, it was almost like I was now able to connect with my body. It's almost like you see people who talk with their hands a lot <laughs> and they're just like, go all over the place. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those ways that we are able to connect and really express ourselves and show that connection within our body. So that's the first thing is really understand where that connection is and what that feels like. After that, you're able to definitely check in with yourself. Sometimes it might not be on a physical level. Sometimes it's on a mental level. Sometimes we have to have a conversation with ourselves and say, okay, how did this make me feel? I've noticed for myself um, over the years, I've had conversations with a lot of friends uh, considering, you know, my background and, you know, my relationships and things of that nature. And sometimes something doesn't hit me until like three days after the conversation has been had that, oh, that was not okay this particular phrase, setting, whatever it was, was not okay. And then I have to look at it and say, okay, why was this not okay for me? Had this been, had this been something that bothered me before or is this something new that has come up and hasn't bothered me before? Now I have to say something. And then once you go into that and check that in, it, it, sometimes this doesn't take that long. I mean, I say it took me three days to process the conversation but once I processed the conversation, I immediately knew like, this was not okay. We need to have a conversation. Uh, for others, it might be a little bit more time. We might not be quite comfortable yet talking to people about how something made us feel. But the importance of doing that is expressing that I just found out that I have a boundary that I did not have yesterday, that I did not have last Friday, that I did not have a month ago. And now this is a boundary for me. And I would love to keep you in my life and have you, you know, and show you more love and continue to have conversation as long as it does not cross this line. And I think that a lot of times that makes us also uncomfortable because we're like, oh, what's going to happen? You know, what's, how is this conversation going to go over? And one of the things that we have to realize is that when we set boundaries, it's so that we can continue to keep the people that we have in our lives closer it's not to push them away. And I think sometimes that is a common misconception when people set boundaries, because you see it all the time. I could have definitely been like, my sister doesn't love me because she doesn't want to hug me. But that's not the case. She just doesn't want me to physically touch her like in a hugging manner. Will she accept high fives? Absolutely. Will she accept elbows? Yes, on occasion. But it doesn't have to be a hug for me to show her that I love her. That's not how that works. And by saying, okay, I'm not going to hug you. I'm just going to give you a high five. Says, hey, I love you and I respect your boundaries. And I still want to be here regardless of what that means, you know, regardless of you not wanting to hug me. I'm still going to show you the same love. I'm still going to show you the same care. You just don't want me to hug you. And I understand that. I totally love what you have just said. I think there are so many uh, golden nuggets there. But I'm particularly curious about this uh, co concept of misconceptions that we have around the concept of, of boundaries. Because mm -hmm. especially for, for women, we are brought up thinking, oh, we must obey. We mm -hmm. have to be nice girls, right? And yes. this is different from the way boys are brought up. 
the way they need to show up in the world or they can express themselves. So Mm -hmm. whenever we raise boundaries, we have the perception perhaps that we are not being nice and Mm -hmm. we are sort of rejecting others. What are the misconceptions we can have regarding boundaries? That is a really good question. I feel like, so definitely the major one is that we're being rejected when somebody is setting a boundary. I think the other misconception is that somebody somebody is setting a boundary to be difficult. I had an ex-boyfriend a long, long time ago when I was in high school tell me that me being uh, sexually abused was an obstacle, which I thought was very, very weird. Like we were young, by the way, like I was like 13, 14. And he told me that it was an obstacle. And I thought that was really interesting, the way that we, the way that people, the way that different people look at things. And I feel like when it comes to boundaries, I think people hear boundaries and they hear like a fence or like a brick wall or a complete barrier. And sometimes what people, when people see stuff like that or hear those words like barrier, boundary, wall, they hear, oh, that's just an obstacle that I can get over. Well, I can, I can definitely change this thought process within you so that this isn't a problem anymore. And I think that, and now that I say that, that's a, that's a misconception that barriers are meant to be broken. It's, con- it's almost like rules. Like they're like, oh, you have this rule. I don't need to follow this rule. But I think people think that boundaries are something that they can just, it's just another obstacle that they can conquer. And I think that that misconception probably also should be like, thrown in a fire somewhere because like it's just now that I say it it sounds absolutely ridiculous like wow I you know what sometimes when I talk I surprise myself so I'm sorry that I'm like I'm a little taken aback by that like yeah that is a really strange misconception that people think that because it is a boundary or that it is a rule that it should be broken yeah something that um, I was reading a couple of days ago about boundaries and it says something like people think that boundaries are there to show the wall. Boundaries are there to show the door. And oh my gosh, I love it. It's yes. exactly what you are saying. Is exactly what you are saying. And uh, yeah, what you said before, keeping people closer, not to push them uh, further away. I, I absolutely love that. And, and yet we have so much resistance. Yes. What what is missing a personal level when we don't have those boundaries? Obviously, it, part of of that is uh, education and uh, the mm-hmm. way we have been taught. But is there something that perhaps through those situations we didn't develop? For me, for example, was self love. I didn't love mm-hmm. enough to oh, yeah. that I needed boundaries. And Mm -hmm. I wonder if it was just my situation, my perception, or it's something more general. And perhaps Mm -hmm. how that comes into a trauma, a sexual trauma and and abuse. Yes. Okay. So I definitely agree that um, not having self-love is one of them. Um, I think another big piece is that sometimes when we 
haven't healed from our past traumas, anything that has happened to us, one of the things that we don't realize that we also lose is the trust within ourselves. Um, because when these things happen, there is so much loss. There's so much innocence. There's so much um, after that, there's so much pain and guilt and blame um, that we usually place on ourselves. And one of the first thoughts is, well, I trusted this person with the health of myself. How can I trust myself now to be able to give that same to someone else or to be able to set a boundary and be able to keep it? Or what if this person shows me the exact same love and care that this person showed me and then they do the same thing? And I found that for me, when it comes to setting boundaries, it is not only about self-love and self-care, showing yourself that it is okay to have boundaries. It's okay to feel not comfortable in a situation and be able to move yourself from it, but also that we can trust ourselves again because we know what we need. We know what we want in our lives. And in order to get that, sometimes boundaries are the only ways to get there. But if we don't trust ourselves to say, well, I believe that this boundary is going to help me with all of the things that I need to do. It's going to open the door for better relationships, for um, you know, a healthier mindset, for better self-love. Then we have to be able to trust ourselves. We have to be able to say, yes, we got this. This is going to this is going to build so many more bridges than it's going to burn. Wow, I, I so much love what you just said. And uh, yes, I agree. Trust is absolutely crucial. And in fact, that brings me to the next question. And how different traumatic situations connect in, in our life if we don't uh, address the first one? And mm -hmm. if don't develop that trust in ourselves because I can see in my in my history mm -hmm. uh, abused as a child and then I was abused uh, just a few years ago uh, at work and that led me to a burnout. Mm -hmm. It's a completely different type of abuse, but right. at the same time had the same root, if you like. It, it was oh. Like, uh, a, a similar type of, of abuse. So what do you think about it? And what's your experience on, on this front? I love what you brought up there because there is a connection because everybody does not suffer from the same type of abuse. Although my main clientele is sexual trauma, I also work with people who have been through other types of trauma, things that have happened that they just haven't processed thoroughly or they haven't they're still holding on to the feelings and emotions that that actually is giving them. And one of the things for me, um, the way that this showed up in my life from my trauma was it showed up in how people showed me that they loved me. And I, for a very long time, interchanged love and sex. 
because of this situation. I interchanged them. And for a long time, it didn't matter because for a long time, for a good solid like 17 years or so, like I wasn't even having sex. But when I started to have sex and then that love factor started to come in, it was almost like something in my brain was just like, yes, these are the same things. Like if they're having sex with me, they love me. And if they love me, they must want to have sex with me or be having sex with me in that moment, right? And what I realized over the years, even going into my marriage, is that that was something that I looked for. It was something that I craved. If I wanted to be loved by this person, I had to give them sex. That had to be a factor. And it wasn't until, um, I don't even know how many years ago at this point, probably like four or five years ago at this point, where something clicked in me and I was like, these two things are absolutely not interchangeable. And that became the basis of my, like my boundaries. It was like, oh, these, these two things aren't interchangeable. I can't, I ended up in so many wrong relationships because of that, you know, it was because, oh, well, I was, I was sleeping with this person and we've been intimate we're in love. <laughs> like it was, it was one of those things. When I realized that I was like, oh crap, <laughs> we probably, we need to change that. We need to heal that part of my heart. We need to heal that part um, of my, you know, sexual life where those two things are no longer interchangeable. So now I can make sound decisions and make a better discernment when I am having casual relationships with people, casual intimate relationships with people. And then also when I'm in a relationship with people, I can still have that boundary because it's, yes, I love you, but just because we are intimate does not make it okay. It doesn't make some of these things that are happening okay. Um, and of course it wasn't until recently, probably within the last year, um, that that boundary for me and those two terms being separated has really solidified how I move forward in my relationships, especially after a sexual trauma, people know that that is a, it's a big part of my life. Um, so if you know, if you know Tay, you know that this happened to her, but the way that I operate in my life does not say that because most people, when people find out, they like look at me and they're like, I am so sorry that happened to you. Like I had somebody once tell me that I didn't look like a person who had been through that. And I kind of just like looked at them and I was like, what do we look like? You're looking at me right now and you didn't think that that's something that happened to me. But you can look at your neighbor, you can look at your aunt, you can look at your great grandmother and not know that this happened to them. And it's just, it's very amazing to me how when something like that goes unresolved, when we're not in that process of healing and setting boundaries and finding ways to really overcome how much that affects your work, your life, your relationship. I don't think anybody, I think now we're becoming a lot more aware of it. Um, but I don't think, you know, five, 10 years ago, we were like, yeah, you know, this happened to me. This is why my relationship, uh, this is why I'm self-sabotaging in my relationships. You know, as that, oh, things, things look too good to be true. Now let's mess it up. Because in my fairy tale and in, in my life, there was there was this period of fairy tale mess, you know, everybody was happy and things like that. And then all of a sudden it came crashing down. 
because an event happened, a trauma happened. Now we take that and we put it into our relationships. And it doesn't, like you said before, it doesn't have to be, you know, a sexual trauma. It could be anything. It can be an abusive situation. It can be um, neglect. It can be, um, you know, anything where we now go into our lives and our situations. And as soon as something looks like neglect, the first thing that we do is we try to react in the same way that we did previously. And sometimes that doesn't work. And if it does work, it only works for so long. And then at that point, we have to check ourselves and say, oh, oh, that's, that's no longer working. I think that's usually when people like leave relationships or leave a job or something like that, because they're like, oh, well, my tactics didn't work. When we have to realize that those tactics are coping mechanisms are outdated and we need, we need new tools. Absolutely. Uh, I can totally resonate with the connection, love, or exchange, love, sex. And uh, when you meet someone and you think that there might be a great, or it might be even the greatest love of your, of mm -hmm. your life. In fact, it's, it's not. And uh, you crave that uh, little uh, connection there because mm -hmm. it was something that was missing at some point in, uh, in your life. That's mm -hmm. So, so, so true. How do we com communicate our boundaries in a way that really conveys the message to the other person? So I'm not being nasty. I don't want to reject you. Uh, I'm not, um, I don't want to be bad. Uh, I'm still a nice girl, girl quote unquote, but mm -hmm. this is a no for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this week, I've literally been dealing with a lot of conversations around boundaries and what I will and will not accept. And it's funny because I even told a friend of mine, I was like, I feel like now I'm entering into my villain era. Um, if anybody's familiar with TikTok, everybody's talking about how these women are going into their villain era. Um, and what I will say is it really isn't their villain era or them getting rid of their good girl or anything like that. What it is, is that we are just sick and tired of being walked all over and not being heard and not being seen. And sometimes we feel like, well, we have to stay in this friendship, our relationship, because we've been here for so long. You know, we've been working on this friendship for months and years and blah, blah, blah. Um, but in reality, it really has a lot to do with how we feel now. This is not okay in my relationships anymore and I'm not going to accept it. And I think that sometimes when it, when it comes down to it, the, one of the first things I feel like when it comes down to like um, expressing boundaries is that we want to get angry. <laughs> it's like, first thing we want to do is we want to lash out and just get angry. Um, and I know this because I've done this. Like, I, first thing, like, that was a boundary. And we don't obviously say it like that. We say, you did this to me. Um, and that's the first thing that we want to do. We want to lash out and, you know, yell and scream and have a tantrum. Uh, but one of the things that I've started doing is really, like, sitting back and kind of, like, I'm, I've been waiting a beat or seven um, to say, okay, this was my boundary. I have to evaluate. Did this person know that this was a boundary of mine? No. So how do I tell them that, hey, I, I still want you to be in my life. I enjoy the time that we, that we spend together. 
However, what I do not like about the time that we spend together is X, Y, Z, whatever that boundary is. For me, I'm a big time. I'm a big, like if anybody's into like love languages, I'm a big quality time person. Like quality time is my jizz, like it's my jazz. I love quality time. I just do. And that looks different for everyone. But if one of the things that I want during that quality time that's being spent is for you not to be on your phone, we'll use that as an example, um, for you not to be on your phone. And it doesn't have to be the entire time. But what I'm asking for is that you not take a 50 minute phone call that does not have to do with work or like, you know, a family member and spend time talking to someone else while I'm in your presence. That is a boundary of mine. So what am I gonna do with that? I'm gonna say, hey, Julie, I enjoyed us spending time together yesterday. One of the things that bothered me though, is that after we spent about 10 minutes together and I got you your drink and everything, your phone rang and you spent 20 minutes talking to your other friend about whatever it was that you guys talked about. And I felt like you were disrespecting my time that I set aside for us to spend together. And then at that point, I would stop talking and let them from that point decide, okay, maybe that was a little rude. I'm so sorry that I, you know, disrespected your time in that way. It didn't even come to me to think about it, which is usually what happens. They didn't even think about it. It was just like, oh, it's something that I do regular, right? Or the other side is what we all fear is that they'll, they'll argue with us about it. Well, it wasn't really that important. I don't understand why you're, you know, so uptight about the 20 minutes and this and that, blah, blah, blah. To which, of course, in that moment, you still, you can still explain yourself and, you know, say that you just appreciate it if phone calls like that were taken before or after our time or if you really did want to have that conversation with them, like something. Um, but I think that sometimes we fear that the person that we acted, you know, that we disrespected their boundary, that this person isn't going to understand our point of view because we have to be right. Uh, but when it comes to making those boundaries, it's not something about you having to be right. It's about, well, you wanted to spend time with me during this time, but you wasted 20 minutes of it. How do you think that makes me feel? And I think sometimes, I think a lot of times people think that when we talk about our boundaries, we're being combative. And really, we just want to get to the, the root of why did it happen? Can we, can we make some kind of arrangement where this doesn't happen again? And I think a lot of times we're scared to have those conversations because of what that might bring up. Because sometimes it does stir emotions. Sometimes it, you know, causes chaos. And sometimes, you know, people storm off and, you know, don't finish conversations. That does happen. Um, but within all of that, what also is happening is that the people on both sides, not just me, whose boundary was disrespected, but the person also who disrespected my boundary can sit back and say, okay, I know I blew up, but let me go back to what was actually said to me. Because sometimes in the heat of the moment, we're listening. <laughs> like, we, we're listening, all right, right? We wanna, we're listening to respond is what we're doing. We're like, oh, this person is about to go off on me and telling me what I can and can't do. And I'm just not going to. And that's basically the conversations that we're having in our head, which is completely understandable. But afterwards, they do have time to sit back. And whether they tell you they do or not, they do have time to sit back and say, OK, maybe they're right. 
I did come over there to spend time with her specifically. And we had planned on watching a movie or hanging out. And I was on the phone for 20 minutes. And that was very rude and disrespectful of her time. So now next time, what am I going to do to conscious, to be more consciously aware of the fact that this is something that she really wanted. And this is something that she's not going to take, you know, from me or anyone. And I think with having those conversations and really understanding, I think being able to empathize and being able to come back and say, okay, I think I'm a little calmer to have this conversation now because, you know, before I wasn't listening. Mind you, nobody's ever going to say that. We talk about this stuff and that's what we want to like, that's the thing that we like feel like should be said, right? Uh, but they're probably not going to say that. They're probably just going to be like, you know what? I am so sorry that I disrespected your time. It will never happen again. You don't have to worry about that. Um, and I think sometimes we real, we don't realize that we can just, we, it's just as easy as just speaking up. It doesn't even, sometimes it doesn't even have to be like a big show. You can just be like, you know, I really didn't like when you did that. And that's usually how simple my conversations are with the people who I feel like I've had conversations with. And they're like, they say something disrespectful to me that I don't realize until like three days later. And I come back and I'm like, you know, you said this thing to me and I didn't like it. And three days later, it's bothering me. So I wanted to bring it up to you because in reality, sometimes they don't know. And if it is a boundary that they do know about, I think that's usually where we, where things kind of get a little messy um, is when they do know about a boundary and they continue to disrespect that boundary. Um, at that point, what do you do? And I tell people to make an action plan. Anytime that you feel like this, how, you know, basically you're looking at it, you're checking in with yourself and saying, okay, how often can I really put up with this boundary? If it's a, I absolutely cannot, they only have one time after I've told them about it to not do it again, then you have to create an action plan and you have to stick to it because that goes into the trusting yourself and the self-love and the self-care because who is more hurt? Who is more disappointed? Who is more in their thoughts about the fact that somebody else disrespected their boundary? The person who created the boundary. So being able to have an action plan of what your steps are going to be in regards to those and setting those is going to be super important because it is going to let them know that you are, that this is serious. Like this isn't just, I'm sorry, you've been to my house three times and each time you've been on the phone for 20 minutes, every time you get here, that needs to stop. So until then, we're not going to have any future dates because I, I don't want to continue to set time aside for you if you're not going to respect that and actually want to be here with me in that time. And that makes it a lot easier for us to be able to distinguish what those boundaries look like and how they feel to us. You mentioned a number of things there. In one of the scenarios that you mentioned, when the person said, oh, I always do like this. Mm -hmm. So sad that sometimes we don't reinforce our boundaries to avoid discussion. Mm -hmm. How do we truly commit to our boundaries? Sometimes we might think, okay, yes, I discovered that I have this boundary or I should have this boundary, but I always did this way and I don't want to make a thing with this person. So perhaps mm -hmm. this time I can just 
do what they want and uh, avoid again this boundary. So how do we commit to ourselves? I know it, it's ridiculous, but I, I've done it so many times. Oh, and I still do it. Like it, it's so funny because we talk about how we set our boundaries and things like that. And in certain situations, we will give some reprieve to somebody because, oh, well, we still want and we still enjoy and we still, right? And one of the things, I'm, and I'm going to obviously speak from personal experience here. For me, one of the ways that helps me to commit, and this is going to sound really, really terrible, but it's when it continues to happen. When it's not just this one person, when it is multiple people who are doing this, who are disrespecting the same boundary that I have committed to myself but I'm still allowing them to disrespect because I don't want there to be confrontation or I still want them to be in my life or X, Y, Z, a million and three factors, right? And one of the things that I've realized for myself, and I'm not gonna say everybody should do this, is that the biggest form of disrespect is to continue to trample all over a boundary that I have. That is one thing that I do not like. And my action plan is to immediately cut it at the source. I cut this person off to my life, to whatever it is that they were currently privy to. <laughs> they no longer have that access. And that may be extreme, but I think about it this way. Yes, I'm letting this one person walk all over this boundary. I'm letting this one person do that. Three days from now, how do I feel? Am I still thinking about this boundary and this friendship? Um, am I still thinking about, oh, it's going to be fine. They'll do better next time. Like, what are these things that are being said to myself about this particular situation and this person? And then also, I have to think about if I'm going to let someone run over this boundary, just this one. What other boundaries is this person going to step on that are still going to make me uncomfortable, feel like I'm disrespected, I'm sad and disappointed in this person all the time. Now, hanging out with this person really now seems more like an obligation than a desire to actually want to hang out with this person. When those things start to happen, that's when you have to really say, okay, nope, this actually, this is a boundary actually, and I'm going to put my foot down. And I think that a lot of times, I want to say that a, probably majority of the time, a, a lot of those, a lot of people's boundaries um, are set in stone, no door, no nothing because of that, because we've allowed them to continue to commit that same disrespect on that same boundary. Um, and I think that it's so important for us when it first happens, yes, listen to our bodies. Um, when it happens again, okay, let's, let's do a check-in. Like, is this really a boundary or am I just doing this just because, right? By the time it gets to that point where you're like, I'm getting ready to cut this person off, then you realize that it's actually a boundary and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is, and now, and now it's more of, now it's out of obligation to yourself now that you have to set this boundary. And 
just like you said, like I've done this multiple times and I still continue to do it. Like, it's like we sit here and we say, all right, setting boundaries is going to be easy, but just like everything else, it takes practice, right? It takes time. Is it the setting boundaries is going to be one of the hardest things that you do, especially when you haven't had it. Or when you're used to people running all over the the ones that you already have. <laughs> it's going to be the hardest thing ever. Uh, but it does get easier. It does. It just comes to the point of, you know, at what point do we get fed up with being disrespected? And I think that's a huge part of setting boundaries. It's being respected. And not in the way that we not in the way that we look at when it comes to, you know, like high authority or anything like that. But we just, we want somebody to treat us with the same love and care that we would treat them. And they can see it when we do it. But how is it that I'm showing you love and care and respect, not only towards you, but towards your boundaries, and you can't do the same for me. And I think that's the realization that we hit when we're like, ah, this is why I need to commit to my boundaries. This is why, because I'm showing them the love and care that I show myself and that I know that they deserve, but they're not doing the same for me. So now I do have to commit to this boundary and I do have to be a little bit more steadfast in what that looks like to them. Absolutely. I love that. I'm aware of the time. Unfortunately, this hour is uh, literally gone. <laughs> Uh, so so fast and so quickly. So I would like to come back to you and uh, learn a little bit what's happening now in uh, in your life and your career, and in particular if there is uh, anything that you want to share with us and uh, our audience. Absolutely. First, I want to thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I swear, one of the, I didn't realize that I could talk about boundaries for you know, more than an hour and here we are. Um, but, you know, it is something that I'm super passionate about. So um, a couple of things. First, um, I did write a book. Um, it is called Tainted, Overcoming the Stigma of Sexual Trauma. Um, it talks a little bit about what happened to me as a child. Um, but then it also talks about how I overcame that. It talks about my chakra journey. It talks about uh, meditation and yoga and things of that nature. Um, and really just how to start that process of healing those old wounds. Um, and because we are talking about boundaries, of course, um, I do have a boundary building workshop for people who are ready to, you know, set some boundaries, some firm boundaries, um, because we really, we know that we need them. We do, we see that um, and we know that we do. Uh, but sometimes we just think that we don't have enough time to do it or we don't know how. Um, and then what's wrong with our, our what's wrong with our current boundaries? Um, these are all questions that are answered through the boundary building workshop um, because it shows you exactly, you know, why you need boundaries, um, what the difference between boundaries and rules are, um, how to enforce and maintain those boundaries. So being able to have those conversations with your friends and family and let them understand why your boundaries are important. Um, so if that is of interest to any of your listeners, uh, they are more than welcome to get in contact with me and we can go ahead and get that started right away. Fantastic. So if they are interested, where they can find you? Uh, they can find me on Instagram and on TikTok. Uh, my handle is trauma.release.guide. 
Um, and then also, you can also find all of this information on my website, www.desirablephoenix.com. Fantastic. And as always, we will put all the links in the description of today's episode. Final question before going. If there was one take-home message that you would love everybody to remember from this conversation, what that would be? Oh, that's so hard, especially since we've had so many good things. So many good things. Um, I think what I want to leave the listeners with is be kind and be patient with yourself. Setting boundaries is not easy business. Um, it's taken me a lot of time to get to where I am with my boundaries um, and to still have, you know, those uh, faults where I still let people, you know, kind of, you know, skirt their way around, you know, my life and what I do. Um, but I want, you to, I want you to be patient and be kind with yourself because Rome wasn't built in a day. Healing is not going to be an overnight thing and it will, it will probably be happening until for the rest of your life. And also when it comes to boundaries, um, make sure that they are boundaries that you have come up with, not ones that you think other people think that you should set for yourself because we are all different individuals. And one thing that works for me may not work for you. And it may not work for, you know, your best friend. It may not work for your mom, but something that works for you, because those are going to be the easiest boundaries to uphold, to commit to, to enforce, um, and once you start doing that, once you get that first firm boundary in, the rest are going to be, they're going to be cake. It's going to be a cakewalk, guys. It's going to be a cake. Fantastic. What a beautiful advice. Well, I hope that this episode has provided insights and information on how important raising healthy boundaries can be, but also how we can all monitor our behavior and assess the quality of the boundaries we are capable of. And I want to leave you with a quote from Brené Brown, I really love this woman, who said, daring to set boundaries is about having the courage to love ourselves even when they risk disappointing others. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. I enjoyed every single moment of this conversation. It has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, we would love to know what you think about this topic. Do you or anybody you know dealing with uh, difficult boundaries to, to set? Or perhaps there are questions that we didn't address today difficult to believe really but if so let us know get in touch also don't forget to check this website and to follow her on social media you will find all the links in the description of today's episode if you've been affected in any way by the topic we discussed today as always i invite you to seek professional help join me next time when we will continue exploring inspiring and challenging situations because remember we are together in this journey Remember, forgiveness is like a muscle. The more you practice, the stronger and more effective it becomes. If you haven't done it yet, you can subscribe by clicking the subscribe button below. If you know anybody who could benefit from the topics discussed in this show, do some good and share the link with them. 
If you have a story that you want to share with us, comments or suggestions on topics you would like to be explored, send me an email at forgiventrive at gmail.com. Reviews will also be very much appreciated. And with this, it's a wrap. Till next time, thank you and goodbye.